In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalyst Podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. Since starting her consultancy practice in 1980, Eileen has become known as a master facilitator, an award-winning author, and an internationally recognized keynote trainer and executive coach. Clients have ranged from global pharmaceutical companies to educational institutions, from hospitals to the U.S. Armed Forces. She's the author of seven books, including her latest, Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. And welcome to the People Catalyst podcast, Eileen McDar. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on the show and talking about something that's so relevant. Oh my goodness, not only to just life, but especially right now, Eileen, which is resiliency. So yeah. you've got to share with us a little bit about how did you find yourself here in this entrepreneurial uh, resiliency space? I, uh, I've had my own company, believe it or not, for 40 years, which is incredible because I'm only 30. Oh, you don't even, I was just going to say, how can you have a company for 40 years? I don't know. I don't know. It just kind of happened. And my field, my field has always been in the area of communication and leadership development. And, um, and so 19 years ago, when 9-11 hit the US, I became very concerned and intrigued with how do we as a nation move through this. And that started me on my resiliency journey. And so the first resiliency book I wrote was called The Resilient Spirit, Heart Talk for Staying Right Side Up in a World That's Upside Down. Mm -hmm. And over, the, over time, mm -hmm. What I have come to realize, which is very different from what other people say about resiliency, is that most people say, well, it means bounce back. That's what the dictionary says. I go, mm, no, no, not right. Not what human beings do. There's no such thing as going back. You have to grow. It's to grow through mm -hmm. challenge or opportunity so that you end up wiser, smarter, better on the other side. And I also realized that at the end of the day, resiliency is all about energy management. Mm -hmm. And you know what, Carla, I, I resisted this for the longest time because I would ask my clients, I said, you know, if you had to describe me, because you always try to figure out what's your branding statement and all this other stuff. I said, well, how would you describe me? What, what, what is it that makes me different? And they always said energy. And what energy is, if you think about it, it's when you have good connections. You got a power grid, like right now in California, the power grid is not doing very well. It's going out. So we don't have, so the energy's not going. Well, for human beings, we create energy connections that either give us energy, which is what we need to be resilient, or it drains our energy. It takes our energy, yeah. So, so it's just, it's been watching people and finally owning it's just interesting because as a people catalyst, you know that sometimes we don't own what it is that we know. Mm -hmm. And it was. I think that is more often than not that people don't own what they know. It's because it's simple and easy to them, and so they think in their mind that it's not special. And that's, ex that's exactly right. 
because I want to say, well, well, that's so ordinary. And they go, no, no, it's absolutely extraordinary. (laughs) So um, it's taken a while for me to do that. And so my organization, um, which is a division of McDark Communications, is the Resiliency Group. And the reason I created the resiliency group is that one person does not have all the answers. Mm. So that I have always colleagues a team. that I have folded in. Uh, they each have their own enterprise, but I can pull them in to help me, to help another client. So you know the person who you really need to talk to. Mm-hmm. You need to talk to Joe. No, over here, you really need to talk to Karen. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a very streamlined thing because I don't have to pay them. If you hire them, that's great. It's a resource. Take it. Use it. I just want to know that people have enough resources for themselves for wherever they find themselves right now. Absolutely. And if and, and, and pulling out and leveraging, uh, and it's not like you leverage people, to be quite honest with you with you if you put the right people in the right place at the right time doing the right thing they're happy to show up but unfortunately in corporate america and most businesses you know we hold people in their smallness not their magnificence and so identifying what that is and then saying hey this is the space that you need to live in and you're going to be absolutely fantastic here and we love you and we're only going to you know look at you in this space it becomes a little easy to be more resilient, don't you think, of doing well, I th- I, I, Absolutely. You know, my, my new book that is just now out, Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. One of the teaching points in there, which I think is, is absolutely critical, is the power of purpose and alignment. Mm. And I think when we are out of alignment, when we don't know our why, what, why, what is it? Why am I here? Why am I walking around doing this what I'm planet? doing every single day, right? Yeah, I mean, why? And Viktor Frankl in the horrible Holocaust of World War II, when he wrote his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he had this one line, and I just, I keep thinking about it a lot. Man or woman can survive any what if you have a why. Mm. And you lose, when you lose your why, you lose your way. And then it's really easy to burn out, to begin doing more and more and more and more and more because I'm not, I'm not connected with that purpose. Yeah, it's that alignment with going, why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I do what I do? Because when you think about it, Eileen, you know, we spend more time at work than any other thing that we do. And what's incredible to me is, you know, Gallup for the last 30 years uh, has been doing a, um, uh, you know, uh, their polls that they're famous for. And in one way, shape or another between a couple percentages is that 70% of people hate their jobs. I mean, think about that. What is that doing to your relationships, your financial, your every, because they're basically saying, hey, I'm selling my soul for a paycheck versus living out my why. This is my dent on the universe. This is what I want to do. And I think there's so much associated and connected with resiliency and your why. And so what would you like communicate and how can individuals make sure that their why is in alignment so that they can have more of a bolstered, you know, uh, resiliency? Um, I'm going to answer that in a number of ways. 
And I, and I want to do a little caveat here too, because we can also burn out when we are single-mindedly, doggedly into that why that the rest of our life falls away. Good and point. so people who are devoted to, um, to, you know, whether it's a cause, they're devoted to, um, look at the doctors and nurses that we have right now, who find they cannot say no, and yet for their own sanity, for their family, for their well-being, they need to pull back and say, I, I can't right now. I, I can't right now. And you know that they've got a purpose that's bigger than they are. So I just want to make sure that people understand you can also burn out when you are single-minded about that one purpose at the expense of the rest of your life because we're multifaceted people. Mm-hmm. Now, your other question was, how do we know that we have this? Why? I'm, I'm intrigued by this because, frankly, I've become acquainted with an organization called the Y Institute. In fact, right now, probably within the next week, I'll be certified as an agent with the Y Institute. And they have a process, which I hope to help them refine, on how do you help people discover what's the why, then how do you do it, mm-hmm. and then finally, what do you do? So you most kind of, you say, what, you know, well, who are you? What do you do? What you, you say, well, I'm a, I'm a lecturer. Uh, I'm the CEO of the People Catalyst. Well, that's what. But there's a why that preceded that and yeah. how you operationalize that. And therefore, this is what you do. Yes, absolutely. So I find it. Well, I find and it. even with that, and I even think about with the people catalyst, because, and I'm a huge, you know, our, our assessments based off of 110 years of marketing research, the law of diffusion of innovations, which is Simon Sinek, start with why, you know, Jeffrey That's Murdoch, exactly what this gentleman started down the road. He yeah. spent, I don't know yeah. how many years with Simon Sinek. Yep. And so, you know, the whole thing, our focus is to revolutionize the way work is done because we focus on work in the 21st century with the 19th century work style. I mean, oh yeah, that makes no sense. Right. So, so I totally get that. And, you know, I really think Eileen that when, and you can go overboard, right. And go be so obsessed with one piece of this and then you can, also not understand what your why is and then kind of feel like you're you know a fish out of water a little bit you know what are some things that individuals can do so they they you know have that why underneath and you know the first thing i would think is make sure if you're a team member uh, aligning yourself with the organization if you have that opportunity to do so right because at the end of the day a lot of people have to eat um but how could you, especially being a business owner or entrepreneur, you know, make sure that you're balancing those two things so that you understand why you're getting out of bed, everyone, why you're working as hard as you are, because that really resonates with your dent on the universe. Um, what are some of the things that the organization and or you work with your clients to like work them through that process? of you know owning it and just being in love with why you're doing what you do every single day all right i'm going to answer that in two ways there's the individual way and there's the organizational way that's a good that's a good so so and i think those two are intertwined much like the dna you know you've seen the the dna helix oh yeah you know at some points it's personal then it's organizational it's personal so you, you can't separate them just like you can't separate the dna Mm-hmm. And I think one of the one of the first questions 
is what brings you to joy? Mm -hmm. What brings you to joy? So for me, I've realized over time, what brings me to joy is the ability to make a contribution, to feel that what I say, what I do, helps you, helps your viewers, your listeners, find something that gives them this, this, this slight edge. So that's why. So if I can't get up in the morning and feel like I've made a contribution, it's not a good day. You know so what? All, yes. That's so brilliant. Oh my gosh. Not only is that brilliant for you individually, but all the leaders out there, think about that for the people that you're leading because they want to feel that too. So understand it for yourself, but then think about that, right? For if you have a team of 10 or 20 or a hundred or because they want to find that too, right? Mm -hmm. So digging deep in that, I think is so, it's such a critical part of yes. a, you know, not only as a leader, but then also your job as a leader is to bring that magnificence out of other individuals. So if you can, and, and it's harder for us, I think, to do it for ourselves than it is for other individuals. So Probably true. If you've got well, and, word of, yeah. words of wisdom around that, because you know, it's, it's so much easier to see the beautiful, amazing talent in somebody else and their why and what you think, but they might not even have it that clear, even though you think you see it clearly for them. So what this means organizationally for the manager, first and foremost, you cannot give what you ain't got. So, yeah. so for the leader, for the manager, it's really saying, what is it that gives me joy? Now, for me, it has to do with contribution. For someone else, what brings them joy is finding a better way. Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for how can I find a better way? Yeah. It might be what brings someone to joy is when I can create relationships based on trust. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. I want, I want to work on those relationships. I want to make sure that we have trust. For someone else, it could be um, mastery. Mm -hmm. I want to study this all the way down, 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 until I become a master, 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 master at this. And that's what brings them joy. So everyone, so everyone can be very, you know, very different. Um, so the first thing is for the leader themselves is what brings you to joy. Mm. And there are times in which you don't get to do this all the time. That's the way life goes. I mean, life is not equal. That's why years ago, my, my, the very first book I wrote was called Work for a Living and Still Be Free to Live. And it was the first book, it was 1984. And it was the first book, as far as we can figure, that ever looked at this notion of balance and authentic work. And I put balance in quotes because balance is not attainable. It's the wrong it's word. Not, it's not, it, especially if it gives you such joy, right? Yeah. Everybody laughs at me and I'm like answering my phone late. Like, why are you answering the phone? I'm like, number one, because you called and I really appreciate you. And number two, because it gives me joy to do that. that so everybody's balance is actually quite different, right? It Based is. off of what does bring you joy because solving problems brings me joy. So there if someone's go. calling me with a problem, it brings me joy <laughs> to right. help them solve their problem. So to me, it doesn't feel like work. To somebody else, it might be absolutely different. And to you, Eileen, it might be different as well. And so I think well, and, and this notion of, I'm, I want to push back on the word balance too, because I think that really is a word that is misused, mm -hmm. just like I think resiliency is. 
It's not bouncing back. Because if I, I think about balance, I think about a pan scale with everything's equal. Well, life is not equal. Yeah. Almost nothing is ever equal. I always say having fair is almost never equal, right? No. Almost never. So but instead of saying, how do I balance my life? I really think there's a better metaphor. Uh, if a picture's worth a thousand words, a metaphor is worth a thousand pictures. Mm -hmm. So instead of thinking of balance, which is like a pan scale, mm -hmm. if I think about sailing and if you sail if you had a little sailboat when the wind shifts in that boat what do you have to do adjust you have to adjust you have to come about you have to change the way the sails go mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the wind shifts in our life all the time so my idea my notion is to be resilient as i pay attention to the i can't control the wind but i can adjust the sails Response. So how do I make these adjustments? And so when we feel like we're out of the sailboat is when we have ignored parts of our life, our physical, our emotional well-being, um, our spiritual, yeah. uh, our work. Mm -hmm. And of course, then there's the material, because let's face it, I've met people who it's all about stuff, stuff, stuff. So they, get, they burn out making sure that they have stuff in the meantime, they've abandoned their physical, their emotional, their, but it's all about stuff. Yeah. I think the buckets are the same. The amount that we need to be fulfilled in each bucket is slightly different based off of, as you would state it, our joy, right? What gives us joy in each of those buckets? It is. Yeah. And there are times in which the adjustments, you know, we might not pay as much attention to one thing over here because what this phase of, of life, what this wind is calling me to do, I'm choosing, notice that word too, I'm choosing, choosing. really important word. Yeah, not responding I, always, right? Choosing. No, no, it's not I have to, it's I get to. It's mm -hmm. a real big difference. I'm big on language. Language sets up a big picture in our head, I get to. So when I cared for my mom for the last six years of her life, my business, you know, what brought me, to, I, ha, I chose, I'm not working that way. I wouldn't take assignments unless my sister could come and be with mom. I never would have gone offshore, ever, ever, ever. Um, because at that point in time, my choice was the care of mom. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that's the, the notion then of building resilience is learning how to consciously respond to the events of our life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're more successful than others. And then sometimes putting the controls on them, right? Like you were saying. So it's like responding, but then also realizing at this point in time, these are the controls that I have to put, you know, on my life. And you brought up your mom and you shared just an amazing story of resiliency with me, so you've got to share it with our listeners and viewers. Because uh, right, it, it a, it's a wonderful example of resiliency, about growing through challenge or opportunity. My mother was one of the 1,076 Women Air Force Service pilots, or WASP, as they were called in World War II. Someone asked me, does that mean white Anglo-Saxon Protestant? I said, no, <laughs> not, not. These were women who took over all the domestic military flying so that every able-bodied pilot could fly combat missions in the European and the Pacific theaters. 
They were told that they would be rolled into the Air, Army Air Corps, but they were needed right away. These women paid their way and converged on an air base in Sweetwater, Texas. They did everything that the male cadets had to do, except they paid for the privilege of doing it. They, um, before the war was over, those women collectively flew 60 million air miles of domestic wartime duty, collectively flying every single plane in the US arsenal. It was not without hazard, 38 of them died in the course of duty. But because they weren't considered official military yet, because it didn't move through Congress yet, there were no benefits. And in at least one case, Carla, they had to pass the hat to send the body home to the parents. And when they were disbanded shortly before the war was over, they were called onto their air bases. Mom was in Marana Air Force Base in Arizona. And they heard Colonel Hap Arnold say, thank you for flying wing tip to wing tip with your brothers. Your service is no longer needed. Please find your own way home. Wow. And women were not allowed back in the cockpits of military planes again for 30 years. So what gave them joy? They could not do, but they were determined when they did it, they loved it. They loved their country. Believe they me, I'm married to a pilot. They're a special sort of people. They are a special, you they know. They can find I, each other. There'll be like 200 people in a room and it's like a radar. Nee, 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 nee. They do. And they find they each do. other. They are a special sort of people that just want to be in the sky. They really do. And they, um, and so they had to go find whatever was the next. Mom went to Italy with the Red Cross for the rest of the war. Wow. She, she was a, she was also amazing. She was one of three women in med school in the 30s. So she um, went. She well, the apple school. doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> you know, and it just it keeps on going down generations and generations. This has just been amazing. I think resiliency, not only do we need it day in and day out, but my goodness, um, just during the current situation and current times, it's like, you know, what does bring you joy? What do you want to do? Look at the opportunity. You know, figure out how can you align yourself, not only internally, but externally. Um, it, this has just been absolutely amazing, Eileen. And so how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, thank and, you. and purchase your book. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. They can purchase the book. Am I allowed to hold it up? There it is. Yes, Burnout to Breakthrough. Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. It is in Kindle version. It is the trade paper, with, all on Amazon. It's also in Audible. Gee, if you're a listener instead of a hold the book kind of person, it's there. I you am so spell. in between there. I'm like, I don't know. I love to listen to him, but I also love, I've been reading business books for so long and highlighting them and writing notes. Okay. I'm like right in the middle. So I'm, I think I should listen to it and then read it. I'm, I'm, I don't know. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a, being a former English teacher too. I am, I am a book. Give me a book. I just love it. I love it in my hands. I think I just got used to that for so long. And you know what I love, Eileen, is to go back and look at my notes of where I was at when I read the book. Because there's so many books, right? Yes. 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 You've read and you're like, oh, wow, I read that so long ago. And that was my perspective. And that was my takeaway. And I'm completely looking at this from a different version. And so, you know, uh, so that's I, because, 
See, that's because, Carla, we can't step in the same river twice. Mm. It's all about growth. So you pick up a book that five years ago you highlighted certain things. Where you are now, you're a different Carla. Yeah. Something's going to call to you. And then some things were so powerful, you forgot them and you need to be reminded of them. Uh, you just gave me good thoughts. That's <laughs> awesome, Eileen. And then can you share your website as well? So we know where to sure. get the book, but share your website. Sure. And how it's, it first off, if they can spell my name, because you've got it down there, it's www.EileenMacDar.com or take you to the same place, The Resiliency Group. Dot com. Yeah. And I'm amazed how many people can't spell the resiliency. I even spell it wrong at times, whichever <laughs> is the easiest way. You can find me there. You can sign up for my, for my e-sign. I do a weekly blog. Um, haven't gotten as brave as you are, Carla, to do a, to do a podcast, but we are going to do a series of little vignettes uh, video that's all about resiliency so people can tune in and get up. Well, that's fantastic. We are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing. And everybody, you know, go out there. Everybody needs a little bit more resiliency. I can even as resilient as I am, I still, you could never have enough resiliency. So uh, Eileen, thank you so much for uh, being on the show and sharing your brilliance with us. Thanks, Carla. My joy. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.